Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Talking About podcast. I am Sean Kennedy, and this week I am joined by Dave Early. He is a lead voice and associate editor for us here at Liberty Ballers. So happy to have uh, just some in-depth Sixers talk this week. Dave, thanks for coming back on the pod. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. Fun. All right. So the first thing I, I want to ask you is regarding Sixers' recent three-game losing streak. They're now at eight and five on the season. And the first couple losses this week, everyone was very happy with it. it. It felt like as much as you can be about a loss, the team was very shorthanded. They had an eight-man rotation. Four regulars were out. Uh, due to health and safety protocols, Seth Curry was dealing with a minor injury. Uh, Danny Green missed some time with a hamstring thing. Like just guys dropping left and right. Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, two two of your best players, not available. So the fact that the team was playing hard and uh, com- playing competitively and and still almost pulled out those games against the Knicks and Bucks earlier this week, everyone seems like the good vibes were still flowing. But I felt like last night. You got two of your starters back in Seth and Tobias. Um, Joel Embiid, the only starter who is not available. I'm not considering Ben Simmons a starter anymore. People people still like to throw that out there. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is the starter now. Um, but yeah, the loss of Toronto last night when you had four starters available and they they just didn't play as cleanly as they had in those past games. It it just felt like a game they 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 really should have won even without Joel. Um, do, do you feel like the, the moral victory season has ended? Yeah, it's funny. After the after the prior two, I mean, you would have thought there was just a, a parade going on. My, my buddy here in New York City sent me like nine Sixers texts saying like, bro, what's going on? They lost. They lost to the Bucks, <laughs> and everyone's celebrating. I was like, yeah, it's the Vibes Championship. Yeah. Um, and I, it did. I don't know why, but I'm watching the game – against Toronto and I'm thinking the vibes aren't here for some reason I guess was it like the fans expected that one more yeah I don't know maybe maybe it's direct vibes are directly correlated to how well George Niang plays (laughs) so (laughs) if he's not uh hitting big shots and flexing for the crowd the vibes just plummet I don't I don't know yeah it definitely felt different um I, I guess maybe that that plucky underdog mentality just wasn't there in the same way. And and the fact that, uh, you know, Niang and, and Drummond, Drummond had some big blocks, but it wasn't one of his better games. Like just some of the, the guys that had stepped up previously just had down games. And yeah, they, I, I feel like they could have won. And uh, I, I feel like the, the 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 surrounding tenor and conversation around last night's game just was completely different from Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, they call football a game of inches, but basketball can be too. And all of, all of the narratives that we just talked about and the vibes going away, fizzling last game, uh, it could be different. I mean, uh, Drummond had this beautiful block. The Sixers get possession and then the ref calls a bad call. Doc has to challenge it. Then they lose a jump ball and then give up a three back-to-back threes. So you wonder, like, you shouldn't be punished that hard for for having to challenge that yeah. you, you lose possession. <laughs> um, and then yeah, we'd, we'd be talking about the vibes. Hey, one and two over the last three with the skeleton crew, as you call them. Yeah, it's you're right. It it 
definitely could have swung the other way very easily. Um, people were saying it should be like in football where if they challenge a play and it's pretty clear that a guy recovered a fumble after, after they reverse a reverse a call that you, you still give the team possession um, because yeah, Tobias had the, the loose ball or the rebound or whatever it was after Drummond came up with that block. Um, but the rule is that if it's a foul call, you, anything that happens afterwards is, is void and they just have to do the, the tap in the, in the center court. And yeah, they lost the tap. Gary Trent hits that corner three, which uh, I'm tired of seeing corner threes from the Raptors against Philadelphia. I don't, I don't oh. know about you, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, the so Sixers would have had the ball up to at the very least you like a minute 10 or something. Yeah, yeah. There's slightly over a minute left. You can work for a good possession or at least, you know, drain 20 seconds off the clock and you're still leading and you're, you're in more of a set position defensively. Whereas, uh, yeah, Trent gets that open look and suddenly they're losing with a minute left and then everything just fell to pieces from there. So, yeah, it definitely could have went either way, but you, but you I'm with from- you. I'm with you on the overall thing. It felt like we were on borrowed time with how long the vibes championship will last. And you got <laughs> like you got like a, a harsh taste last night that they're not going to be there forever. Like if this team stayed as is and lost in the first round, no one's going to be saying hey, that was fun. Yeah, despite the starting lineup earlier this week, the process error has ended, and sooner or later you have to you have to get wins in the standings. The yes. expectations <laughs> error is here. <laughs> yes, exactly. So yeah, tough tough loss for the Sixers last night. But uh, one thing that wasn't tough to watch has been the <laughs> incredible play of Tyrese Maxey lately. He he is officially leveled up in my mind. Back to back thirty point games, season high thirty three last night. I mean, I th- I think at this point they can just comfortably say he's the starting point guard for the rest of the year. Like I know some of the conversation previously had been, uh, well, it, it could be him, but you know maybe it's whoever they get back in a Ben trade. Like maybe they they really do need to target a, a point guard in, in a Ben trade. I really feel like this opens them up. Uh, like if they got a three and D wing. Like I'd be perfectly fine with that. And then just having Maxi be the table setter. I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that? And, and Maxi's, you know, uh, improved play of late. He, he's increased his uh, all-star potential ceiling for sure. I wouldn't say that cements anything like it's possible. Daryl's thinking, okay, well now I have enough to make a play for Lillard. I didn't before. That's fair. I mean, yeah, if, if Dame Lillard's on the table, <laughs> uh, that's, I'm sure that's that that's Daryl's. But you know, first, second, and third plan at this point. So yeah, I think he did his, his draft this year with that in mind, taking a player who a team that's rebuilding might want, like Jaden Springer was 18 at the time. Yeah. Um, if, if Maxi shows this type of flash, it's, it's really fun to watch him. Like when he needs a bucket, I know he's gotten less of, he's gone to the floater less. Um, and we've praised him for that. Like, at Liberty Ballers, we talk about getting to the rim and getting more free throws, which he's done. But you could see, like, when it's – if you don't score, we're going to lose. He hit a couple huge floaters, and one of them was a continuation. So he's got that patented shot. Uh, he's really comfortable finishing, like, from a full sprint. Um, what, is, what did the broadcast say? Like, he went nitro mode, Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, even last year, he didn't have a lot in his bag. You know, he was still learning the game as as a, as a rookie, but he always had that floater. And 
you know, you, we would say that that's an incredibly advanced maneuver. Like only a small percentage of players in the league even have that at their disposal. So the fact that he had that from day one was that's, that's terrific. And he just needed to round out other parts of his games, but yeah, you're right. He still has it obviously. And it's still as dangerous a weapon as it ever was, but now he can add that with, uh, he's really developed his change of pace off the dribble. He, he gets to the rim now, as you just said, um, and, and finishes from a lot of different angles. He had a, a career high eight free throws last night. So that was great to see. Um, He's also added this kind of, it's not quite a floater. It's more like this little running hook shot thing that he does, which is, I I mean, the guy just, he scores from like really weird angles and it it just makes it hard for the defense to defend him. Um, He he reminds me, yeah, the the one-handed shots, Steve Nash used to do that a lot. The other thing that Steve Nash did that he does a lot of is the off-leg finishes. Um, which ironically Ben Simmons likes to do too, but I think that's a different thing. I think he's got like the unorthodox ambidexterity, both with his arms and legs. Yeah. Uh, with Tyrese, I think it's more of a timing thing to get his shot off because he's not as big, but he's got the off-timed, off-leg, either leg, one-arm finishes and the floaters. So when I watch him play and play really well, I'm thinking, I keep thinking about Tony Parker and Steve Nash finishing around the hoop. Yeah, no, Nash is a good comparison. I mean, uh, just his ability at his size to kind of get shots off whenever he needed to from any spot on the court. Um, And, you know, Nash was obviously a much better shooter than Maxi is at this point of his career, which is why Nash is a future Hall of Famer. And and Tyrese Maxi is a guy who we have a lot of promise for in his second year, but you know, we're, we still, we're talking still about a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, you just mentioned Nash's passing. Uh, Maxi has, has made some good strides as, as a passer and a playmaker this month. Yes. Um, particularly I liked that he's only averaged one turnover per game in November while he, he's averaging close to six assists a game. I think, I think it's over five assists a game with just one turnover for, uh, this month. I mean, I don't know what more you could ask for from your point card. Uh, that that's a really good assist to turnover ratio. He had one really bad turnover last night where he was just kind of bringing the ball to court and trying to get him in the offense. And he kind of made a lazy pass to the wing Yeah, and, and pick six. Yeah. It led to the, the pick six for a bucket on the other end. But, uh, I mean, that's been very few and far between with him. I, I think he doesn't make the advanced reads a lot of times, but he generally makes the right read and, and the more simple reads, um, which, you know, the other stuff will come in time. Uh, but I, I think the fact that he's at least doing those things now while being the team's best scorer the last couple games. And I, I think everything there is promising. Yeah. I think the old cliche is the game slows down for you. I think with Maxi, that's going to be uh, like even more literal than we usually mean it because Sometimes he'll be, you know, 35 feet out and he'll just make a beeline to the rim as fast as he can. And no one could keep up with him, but the help can read his angle. So one issue for him will be, like you mentioned, that he's already done some of his changing his pace, but also maybe adding a Euro step to anticipate the help coming and being able to make decisions when he's slowing down after blowing by his first line of defense that's going to open up some passing lanes for him and some finishing angles too. At, at this point, he still sometimes has those, I run straight to the rim and try to finish over the help and I miss my chance. Um, 
because it's kind of like what you would say in football, like a one cut back. But maybe he's a, he has an opportunity to be even better if he slows down when he gets into the paint. Yeah, he uh, he, he definitely he he kind of needs to get his legs under him a little bit sometimes. Like he's he's running too fast for his own good, um, and I think that'll definitely he's he's learning and he's obviously doing a much better job with it this season than he did last. And I think that'll continue and improve where you, you don't always need to be going a hundred percent of your top speed. Yep. So a lot of times just being able to crank it up from 50 to 80% instantaneously is, is more than enough for, for what you need to do in a basketball court. Um, I think he's learning that. And, uh, but even even when he does go top speed, like just the fact that he's able to finish in the ways that he does, like he has really good touch off the glass. Like he he does a really really good job with uh, those full speed running, like underhand hook finishes and scoop shots and everything, where he just has a really gentle touch around the rim. Um, so he makes a lot more of those than you might think. He doesn't have to gather the ball with two hands to finish. He can just go from a right-handed dribble to a right-handed layup. Uh, he, he tied his career high with eight free throw attempts. The other time he did that was game six against Atlanta. So when he's got it going, he's getting a bunch of free throws up. Yeah. He, so all, all positive signs for Tyrese. If, you know, Dame Lillard was suddenly on the on the block, and the Sixers had to include Tyrese Maxey in the deal. Otherwise, it doesn't get done. How how much would you regret letting Tyrese Maxey go? I mean, is is he untouchable in your mind, or or do you still feel like if you get a star of Dame Lillard's quality back, you just have to include him and you got to move forward? But I feel like a lot of Sixers fans would would be really heartbroken if that happened. Yeah, if if the deal were really on the table, uh, I think they would do everything they can to avoid that with other stuff. Uh, and they do have some other nice pieces now to include as well. But if that were the only way to do it, I think that's that's what you got to do. Um, you know, the thing about the thing about having Daryl Morey around is he he comes up with guys like this. You know, we didn't expect Maxi to be in this un- untouchable conversation, but he is. We didn't expect Niang or Korkmaz to have exceeded their trade value so earlier into the season than they have uh, and their contract value. So I think he would have confidence that he could find someone else, essentially, uh, and just do it with two two top 10 superstar type players. Yeah, um, I, I would just <laughs> I, I understand it logically, but emotionally, it would just be such a such a tough loss if, if he did have to be included. in it. I think he would rather I think he would say, like, look, two picks beyond the shelf life of Joel Embiid's entire career. Those would be great picks. I will personally steer the tank myself. I will give you two picks instead of Maxi. Please just let us keep them. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, maybe Portland would prefer that. Yeah, uh, we, we could only hope, but yeah, that's a hypothetical conversation for another day. Obviously, uh, it was it was funny to see or it was just fun to see uh, Tyrese have that big game last night against Toronto when Masai asked for the moon and stars for Kyle Lowry last season. Um, and well, maybe uh, you should have just taken Maxi and been happy, man, because he's he's clearly uh, would have would have set Toronto up very nicely moving forward if if they had him instead of basically nothing for, 
Lowry walking in the offseason. I, I will say that because uh, I would rather Maxi, and I think they should have done it. On the other yeah. hand, we've they, seen this their GM do more with less. And if he turns Drogic into something really good, we're going to be like, oh, yeah. see. <laughs> that's that's true. He, I sh- yeah, I should correct myself. He, they didn't get nothing. They did sign and trade, and they got Precious Achua, who you know could be a good big man down the road. He's still very young, and yeah, Drogic is a is a, at least a trade piece. Someone might overpay for Drogic. Yeah, you never know. So, yeah, so, sorry, Masai, you did you did get something for Lowry. I, sh- I should correct myself, but sorry, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't sorry, get Drogic. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get Tyrese Maxey though, which uh, I, I feel like would have been the better package. Um, so. The other, uh, at least promising thing last night, despite the loss, was uh, Tobias Harris returning from his uh, absence due to having COVID-19. Um, Tobias said that he was unable to even get out of bed for a few days at, at the start of his illness. So obviously the, the symptoms hit him really hard and it wasn't just a case of you know being asymptomatic and needing to just clear pl- protocols and get back to it. But uh yeah, he he was back on the court last night. He he looked to my eyes like like himself. Um, he had nineteen seven and seven, like pretty solid Tobias game, like what we've basically come to expect from him. Uh, did you you know just see the normal Tobias in in your mind when he was back on the court? Um, I mean, I guess I was watching to see signs of fatigue. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I was biased coming in. Um, I don't know. Um, he said, he said after the game, like I was like semi able to go, but we were so shorthanded. I I was going to go. Uh, and so you, you have nothing but respect for Harris. Uh, he's been such a a leader, like on and off for the Sixers. And they've really sort of embodied that next man up cliche. So it was, it was really good to see him out there. I didn't expect to see him back so soon the way doc rivers described it. So that's great. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It's this reminder that this is so weird that like we're playing in this pandemic and these, that we're watching these breakthrough infections happen. And then Nikola Vucevic with the bulls who they just played got it. And you wonder, was it the Sixers own sort of out- outbreak there going around? The yeah, whole thing is played them twice in one week. And now he's suddenly you're the sick, the Philadelphia super spreaders, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I saw I saw an interview with Larry David talking about his new season of Curb, and he was like, we didn't do the pandemic. We, we just didn't think it was that funny. We, no masks. Yeah. <laughs> so you watch the game, and you're like, oh, right. I wanted to forget about this for a while, but can't. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, even if Tobias, he, he came back and, and looked pretty good, we just have to remember, like, this isn't a linear recovery. Um, like Seth Curry last year, he was pretty open about, Hey, I'd, I'd feel good for a while. And then suddenly I just like, wouldn't feel like myself again. Um, and it was something he really contended with for the entirety of the regular season. And yeah. it wasn't, in, it wasn't until the playoffs that he said, like, he's, he just felt a hundred percent every day. And obviously he played a lot better in the postseason. that, that I'm, I'm sure was a big part of that. Um, so yeah, just because Tobias was able to go last night and, you know, I, I don't, he didn't say he felt hundred percent, but he felt good enough to go. He looked good. Um, it, it didn't look like he was really struggling out there with his conditioning or anything like that. Um, just because that was the case last night, it's not always going to be the case moving forward. I mean, we hope it is because 
you know, we, we wish the best for obviously his success on the court and him as a person and his health and everything. But yeah, just something to keep in mind is that it's not a sure thing that he's, he's now recovered and that that is the status quo moving forward. Like these things do tend to creep back up on guys. Yeah. Somebody brought this up in our LB Slack that, well, Seth, we didn't have vaccines when the first round was impacting people. Maybe the guys getting it now will be better protected against the sort of long COVID and symptoms like that. And hopefully that's what we saw. We're seeing with Toby. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we can, we can hope Uh, the, the, the reality is that we just don't know, like no one knows because this is all new to everyone. And, uh, yeah, we're just learning as we go with with all of these situations. So good news that Tobias is back on the court and we will uh, we're still awaiting the return of Joel and Matisse and Isaiah Joe. So hopefully they uh, continue to recover and can get back sooner rather than later. Um, all right. The other uh, the other guy who's played pretty well last night and has played well in general in recent weeks has been Shake Milton. He had 12 points last night. That's the fifth straight game. He reached double figures. Um, he's, he's another guy that I feel like coming into the season, it was, is a big question mark, but I, I think he's done a lot to, at least in my mind, convince me that they're, they're more secure at, with the backup kind of point playmaker role than, than I felt going into the season. I, I was not very optimistic that shake was ready for that, but he's exceeded my expectations at least. And that's not to say if a veteran point became available, uh, that, Daryl shouldn't make the move because I still think Shake would be valuable in an off-ball role, but um, I, I think he's done a lot to improve in that area, and we, we've seen the results lately. Uh, what have you seen from Shake in, in the recent weeks? Yeah, I don't think you need, I don't think you need a star at that role. You know, we watched the Suns with Campaign play the best ball of his career um, at the backup role, and he he played great. And I don't know, I don't think that he's you know a, a premier talent where we would look at shake not being able to replicate some of that. Um, I know they're different players, but I think there's a mold where if the Sixers could either return a fully healthy, engaged Ben Simmons, maybe that's a pipe dream. Um, maybe, <laughs> tr- maybe trade him. Then that role could certainly be for shake. I, I don't think Daryl Morey would see him as someone he can't trade. So I think, you know, if I were a shake, I wouldn't feel very comfortable that I'm going to finish the year in Philadelphia at this point, just because of the Ben Simmons situation increases the uncertainty in my own life. If I'm shake Milton. Yeah. I would say shake and cork Moss would be the two most likely guys to be thrown into a trade package as like mm-hmm. younger players on very good deals that teams can might still, still yeah, can shoot. So anybody would be happy to have them and, they can still be viewed as having some upside. So at, with this like cost controlled contract. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, you're right that shake shake playing well could be the uh, accelerator of his own departure from Philadelphia potentially. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's still good to see him playing well. Even it can either, it can only help the team on the court while he's here, or you're right. It could be something that helps boost his trade value to the point where he's actually considered a positive asset when he gets thrown into a deal. I think Um, that's got to be tough for this team because there's there's like five guys that we could say, if you play well, you might get yourself dealt. Um, (laughs) You might wind up in in Minnesota or Portland or something. Uh, Shake, shake might not mind. I mean, he might get 
right now he's getting like 20, 34, 36, 22, 42 minutes. So he might see a path towards more consistent playing time if it were to happen. Maybe he'd welcome it. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's an interesting kind of corollary to everyone. Everyone wants to get the Ben Simmons stuff done because it's just awful to talk about and we're sick of it and we just want to move on. But it's it's also you kind of want to get it done so that everyone can kind of feel settled in the roles a little bit more because not only is it this, well, is Ben going to return to the team? Is is Are they going to trade him? It's also, hey, when Ben goes, it probably means like at least one or two other guys are going. And just yeah, to kind of, so. kind of have that in the rear view mirror, I think would be provide some good peace of mind for everybody. But in um, case Josh Harris and David Bledsoe are listening, I don't want I don't want you guys to put pressure on Daryl to get it done just for our fans' sake. So you know, take your time, yeah. get it right. Don't 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 uh, accept a bad trade just because Shake Milton needs to feel a little better about his role <laughs> in the team. Yeah, <laughs> still yeah. still still love you, Shake, but yeah, sorry. Um, all right, uh, we're gonna take a, a quick break to hear from our, our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, and we're back. And I just mentioned how much we hate talking about the Ben Simmons situation and what a distraction it is. And unfortunately, we have to talk about it again because that is the life of a Sixers beat right now um so rich paul used his mouthpiece sham sharania of the athletic to come out with a report yesterday fired. <laughs> during the game mind you they uh they they couldn't allow another good vibes uh sixers game to happen without some bed simmons turned in the punch bowl news um maybe maybe that's why the vibes just completely evaporated in, during the Raptors game, maybe it was the Ben Simmons report coming out again. Everyone checked their phones. Yeah, just just killed all the vibes. Um, but basically, saying that the Sixers are forcing him to come back to play, even if he's not ready, and it's not helping his his mental health situation. And it seems like they're they're not doing everything they can to support him. Weirdly compared Simmons's situation to John Wall's situation where the team is paying him to not play and just stay at home. So 
kind of the opposite in my mind of the John Wall situation in that <laughs> the team is fully on board with paying him not to, to participate with the team, whereas the Sixers want Ben to participate with the team and they're finding him when he doesn't. So that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Dave, I'll be you... honest, I didn't follow that one either. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it seems like uh, Rich Paul's through line was, we are okay with whatever teams want to do as long as they pay my guys. So if they want to pay them to show up, that's cool. Uh, but if he doesn't want to, they should still be cool with that. And if they want to pay him not to show up, that's also cool. But basically do whatever my guys want. If they want to show up or not, just make sure you're paying them. And that's what all we care about. Um, well, and then he adds um, something about where's the line. This is no longer about a trade. This is about finding a place where we can help Ben get back his mental strength, get back on the floor. I want him on the floor, whether or not that's 76ers uniform or other, that's not up to me. I want him in a state where he can resume. And then the Sixers sort of response to that, or the way that the article made it sound was we're pleased to hear you're, <laughs> you're open that he plays here. <laughs> yes. Cause that has not been the case. Um, yeah, I think the it's such a tricky situation because you hate to speculate about a guy's mental health, but I think in a lot of fans' minds, it's the fact that this wasn't even mentioned until I believe October 22nd, like Ben's mental readiness to play was never even a topic of conversation. It was always, he wants a trade. He's angry about the Doc and Joel comments. He just feels like he needs to be more of the centerpiece of the team. He feels like the offense needs to run through him. He's not being put in the best position to succeed as a basketball player. Like all of these things were given as reasons. And then people, and then he, he starts getting fined. And then it's national reporters talk about, well, you know, it'd be interesting is that there's a loophole in the CBA where they talk about, you can't find a guy if he says he's, having mental health issues. And then suddenly Ben's having mental health issues. Um, so, you know, I, I think in fans' minds, it's just very convenient timing for everything. And I, I don't, I don't want to talk anymore about that because it's, it's a tricky subject, but it seems like Rich Paul is just trying to have his cake and eating it too. Like really, I, it's I not, would it's, add, <laughs> I would add that it was pretty clear. Ben was going through something beginning in April. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's yeah, when we he, learned about it. He so had a family like, situation going on. So if if this, it's fully plausible that he is really having a difficult time. We and, talked about not being mentally right, like I think three times post game seven. So I don't think I don't think it's new as an issue. I think it, it was new to us. Um, I think the way their camp would say it was the stuff about wanting his own team that that wasn't us. Um, what we what we were putting out there was X, Y, and Z, all that noise, all that fluff. It wasn't changing. Eventually, Ben said something that's hard for people to say, which is what he told the team ahead of that Nets game on the 22nd or something, right? So I think yeah. that's how their camp would say it. The, the mental health issue is not this brand new thing. It's not this convenient thing. It, it was there, and it really is there, and he, he does still have this family situation. Um. But what you said still matters. And it's like how fans see this is this is the one way where you cannot play, maybe get a trade and get paid. And so it raises this very ugly situation where people are saying, calling him a faker, essentially. Yeah. So I think that's a good synopsis of from, from Ben's camp's viewpoint. Like, and yeah, he did have that 
the family situation going on. So I'm sure that was incredibly difficult for him. And I couldn't imagine being in a, a high profile spotlight environment where you also had this, this thing going on in your personal life. And I, I, it had to be very hard for him and I'm sure it still is. Um, but yet it's just from what the public has received and it, it's led to this situation where it's really ugly on both sides. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what the, the argument is for like forcing him to play. Like, obviously they, I think they want the best for Ben, but they, they do want him to play like, Hey, he's a guy that they've repeatedly said, we want him to be a part of the team. And they just kind of want to know what he would need to do in his mind to, to like get back to being a basketball player. Um, so I, I think it, it is difficult to, to find him for not providing up-to-date and detailed reports of his sessions with counselors and therapists and, and whoever else he's meeting with. I, I don't, but I, I do think he needs to like still show up for, you know, practice and shoot around in film sessions and whatever else like okay you're not ready to play that's fine but you also still need to be like a part of this organization and if that's just showing up to do like weight training or individual drills with the trainer like i mean that's that's still part of being a professional basketball player you need to do those things so yeah here's here's my like highest level view of what the heck's going on i think Ben really, really does have um, something to deal with mental health wise related to the family. And then you add to that because of that issue, he played very, very poorly. You know, it was a large factor um, in the way he finished the season. Remember he was missing shots left and right back in April against the bucks. And he was like, I got to get my shit together against the nuggets. Um, And then I think he was basically ashamed of the way he played and then learned that, some of his coaches and teammates didn't have his back. So now he has uh, this ongoing issue that was already a problem with family. Uh, That's not easy. And then you have how your workplace can maybe play a factor in that. And you don't, and maybe you want a new workplace. Like if you were, I went to a shrink and we're like, I'm stressed about my family, but my job isn't helping. Then the issue would be, well, you could change jobs, but that might not make you happy. And so I think that's my question here. What if the Timberwolves really, really want Ben Simmons? Could they feel confident that he's going to play for them anytime soon? Yeah, I I mean, that would be a question. I think that's why, even though people say like, oh, well, Ben Simmons returning to the court, what is that really going to do to help his trade value? I think it'll show to other executives like, hey, he is ready to play basketball again. Just so I think he needs to play playing basketball. (laughs) Yeah, so. we, we could have had a really fair debate whether or not him playing will increase his trade value before the offseason. But now I, I think I'm coming around to he, he does have to get out there and show that he's mentally ready to play. Maybe he doesn't have yips related to the free throws if people are worried about that. Just, just show that you're healthy and you're engaged. Um, and then some offers that might be on the fence might come up. I don't know. Yeah, it's... It's no longer Ben going back to being the player he was before all his postseason struggles and, and struggles at the end of last season. It's Ben going back to being mentally ready to play basketball because right now his his what he's saying 
is that he's not mentally ready to play basketball. So why would a competing executive trade for a guy who is publicly saying he's not mentally ready to play the game that you're giving up a significant trade haul to have him do? Well, this new, this new piece by Rich Paul would say, well, the Sixers are exacerbating these issues. If you don't do that, he might be ready to play on a, on a more expeditious timeline or something. I'm speculating. I don't know. Yeah, that just doesn't make sense. So if the Sixers were to just like let Ben go back to L.A. for three weeks and not and not get in contact with him and let him meet with whoever he wants out there, like suddenly he'd be more ready to play than he would be here having to go to film sessions and everything else. Like that's that's another just Rich Paul uh, scenario that just doesn't make a lot of sense from from the piece. The, the comparison to the John Wall situation makes me think that I, I wouldn't agree with everything Rich Paul says about it, but it's hard to know. Like Brian Winhorst spoke about this with our draft Kang on a pod. Like he's going to do what's best for his client, not necessarily to make himself look like he, he speaks logically and continuously um, in an always fair manner. So that he might just be doing what it takes to get Ben his mental health treatment and a trade. I don't know. No, that's a really good point that rich Paul's goal isn't to be viewed as a fair actor or like a persuasive that's what I was trying argument to say. maker. Yeah. <laughs> his goal is to appease his client and Hey, he can, he can say to Ben, listen, I did this. I'm the one that kind of looks dumb. Like I'm making incoherent arguments and everything, but you know what? <laughs> I really think that this is something that makes it, 5% more likely that the Sixers trade you or 50% more likely that they back off like what they're asking for from your therapist or whatever. He's else. got like a 12 foot abacus in a room somewhere. And <laughs> like, here's, the, here's what we're going to do today yeah. to get you your, your mental health thing squared and a new team. Yeah, he is. He's playing three dimensional public relations <laughs> chess. And, yeah. and we're, and we're trying to, we're decoding. To, yeah. We're trying to, we're trying to track where his Bishop went and we're just, <laughs> we're just not following it all Three the time. Weeks behind. Yes. Um, all right. Oh, but uh, let me, let me ask you this before yeah. we wrap that up. Um, neither rivers nor Embiid has apologized to Simmons for those remarks. Do you buy that? And do you care? I uh, no. Post game seven remarks. I don't think they have anything to apologize for. And I definitely don't care. Um, Dwight like, Howard thinks differently. <laughs> Dwight Howard has some some takes that I, I definitely don't agree with. So I'm okay with that. Um, as much as I enjoyed Dwight's time here in Philadelphia, he he was a very fun part of the team. Um, yeah, Joel said that he thought that was a turning point in the game, which it was. So he said that not only did Ben have to play better, but he had to play better and everyone else had to play better. And they were all factors in the loss. The fact that he pointed to that one situation as a turning point for all the obvious reasons that got blown, blown out of proportion as like him calling Ben out for the loss and blaming everything on him. I don't think that was the case. Um, I, I think he would have more to apologize for with the babysitter comment. <laughs> if I'm being real with you, like, okay, yeah. In, in my mind, that's that's more of an attack on the man's character than whatever Joel said after Game Seven, and in, in like, or like his he, tweet, or his tweet that not everyone is built to be booed and improve. Like, yes, that, that could be a character. Yes, when when Joel was in the middle of a thread defending Ben Simmons, 
he wrapped he it just, up with one. To then two. he just suddenly oh. dropped the most scathing comment about Ben Simmons that he ever has. He did. He did. <laughs> Which not built for the booth. <laughs> yes. So that was like those things. I think warrant apologies. If you if you're really trying to repair a relationship with Ben and move forward together as teammates, I think those would warrant apologies. I don't think what he said at the end of Game Seven warrants an apology because after that, for about I guess three months or so, he publicly like did everything possible to support Ben and and saying like, hey, I want him back on the team. He's a good player. He makes us better as a team. I want to win games. He helps us win games. That was his line for three months straight. And then he he did have these couple things lately, which I'm not saying I totally disagreed with them, but they were pretty messed up to say about a guy if you're hoping that he rejoins you as a teammate. Um, so and and then as far as Doc's, uh, he said, I, I think that the this distinct distinction between saying he can be part of a a championship team and a championship the point guard on a championship team I think is a as a valid distinction, and I, I think I think he's right. Like, can you have a guy be the main ball handler? if he's not willing to get fouled or not willing to drive to the hoop with the ball in his hands because he's worried about getting fouled. Uh, I, I would have doubts about that. So I think anyone that is a basketball coach at the highest level would, would have doubts about that as well. Like obviously Ben does a lot of great things on the court. So for him to be a part of a championship team, not as a point guard, I think is certainly still within the realm of possibility. And we're, we're talking about, um, Mental health. So let me give you some mental health speak and say, allow me to join with the difference of opinion. I think <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to differ on this. I agree with you hundred percent on Joel. I think the most scathing comments were the babysitter and the, the character ones, not, not the post game seven. And I agree with you on what doc said being true and a very reasonable thing to, to have doubts about. I, I first thought to myself like, well, maybe not a point guard. Um, that being said, I think Doc should apologize because this is the head coach and no one who has a problem with what Doc said has a problem with it being true. It's just that he said it publicly after the dude's worst game of his career. Um, And what people are saying is, you know, what what Kawhi Leonard said to the Spurs, like, I don't care what your issue is. Just say it to me, not to the press. You can say anything you want to me. Remember Kawhi was, I'm not around the team. And the team really wanted him around there. So they started using public pressure to say, he's not with us. Pop did it. And then Manu did it. And then Tony did it. At one point, Tony was like, I had the same injury. I'm back. Where's he? Mine was worse. And so that was it. That deteriorated the relationship for good. And it wasn't because it wasn't true. Um, It was because they didn't say it to him. He had to see it on TV. So I think there are a lot of NBA players that look at it like that. doesn't matter if it's true. You got to say it behind closed doors. I would like the head coach, if he even suspected that Ben Simmons had a problem with it, even if it's just all these reports from his camp saying he had a problem with it, or, you know, you or I wrote about it. Still, it's like, hey, you know, I messed up. I shouldn't have said that. They caught me off guard. It was a terrible loss. Um, Yeah, but are are, are we supposed to believe Doc hasn't hasn't said that? I guess because Rich Paul is saying they haven't apologized that. this is all all hypothetical that this report is true but this says sources said there was no apology so if that's true i'm saying i think i don't care if joel does 
Um, Joel, we know, like, he doesn't really practice our American culture of concealment. He was just saying George Niang sucks the other day. So <laughs> one you're of my... saying he used to think he sucks and now now he's happy he has him. Still, it's hard. It's hard <laughs> to uh, it's hard to take what Joel says and say, like, he should have said something different. He just says what he thinks. We're all we're all kind of good with that at this point. Yeah. If you want someone who's a little bit more of a filter, then fine. Don't have this MVP candidate. <laughs> Yeah, whereas Doc Rivers is a guy who has had documentary episodes made about his coaching acumen. Like maybe he needs to have a little more public relations awareness and and how his his comments would be perceived. Right. I mean, after what LeBron James went through with shut up and dribble, like to then make make sort of a a joke that they're like Sometimes I talk to their camp and I think there's Trump supporters. Didn't he say something like that? Yeah, he, he's made some really bad comments. Yeah. Some of the some of the things he says, you just think that can't help. Isn't anyone like helping Doc avoid making this worse? Yeah. So I don't know if he's apologized or not, but if he hasn't, he definitely should, even if they want to trade Ben. Yeah. No, I I I guess I agree with you in that sense. Um, you make some good arguments. Um yeah, the fact that I, I think in Doc's mind, it's just like he was overly carrying Ben's water all year. Like anytime media members asked even a hint of like criticism about Ben, just like valid questions about his game, he would go above and beyond and say like, what are you like? What are you talking about? Have you seen how good of a defense defensive player Ben is and everything he does bring to the table for us? And you want to talk about this one little thing that he doesn't do? even though like, yeah, that's your job. Like to ask about parts of people's games. Um, so I think in Doc's, how he sees it. Yeah. Doc in Doc's mind, he's like, I went above and beyond for this guy over and over again. And I had one little slip up after this devastating loss where he didn't even call him out. He just, he just said like, I don't know to a question. And, and suddenly he's supposed to apologize for this, this one thing after literally a hundred times where he publicly backed up Ben. Um, in his mind, that's probably how he views it. Well, as think. Derek Bodner said it, I think he went directly into ass saving mode. Yeah. <laughs> deflected questions about Ben. Yeah. So, I, I mean, if I was Doc, that's, I, I think that's how I would see it. Like, dude, I had your back all these times. And I, I said one little thing where I just said, like, I don't know. And, and suddenly I'm this bad guy that I, I need to apologize to you. Like, come on, like, let's grow up. I don't know. That's, that's how I would think, think of it. Um, but anyway, that's enough um, <laughs> depressing Ben Simmons talk for today. I'm sure we'll have more next week when something else comes out. But for now, let's try to get back to good vibes and the Sixers on-court basketball and the guys that are playing. Um, those guys have an upcoming six-game road trip, which I know the last time you were on the pod, I had kind of speculated this would be when Ben Simmons might make his return to the court, given these the six games where he wouldn't have to face the home but crowd be over huh <laughs> yeah so that that did not work out as i as i speculated um but they 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 play indiana tomorrow and then they head out even farther west and uh play utah denver portland sacramento and golden state so would have been nice to get one of these last three games and kind of steal one. I feel like the Toronto game, especially um, heading into this really tough road trip. What are your expectations for the team as they, they hit the road this week? Well, the Pacers are really struggling, but they did just beat the Jazz, didn't they? 
Yeah. Um, on the on the second night of a back to back, just like shocking. With a bunch people. of ejections. Yeah. Yeah. The, the game is an unpredictable one. Uh, I didn't expect the Sixers to beat those Bulls uh, a few nights ago. Yeah. So what do I expect? Not good. Not good. <laughs> Let's see. The Pacers could be a loss. The Jazz could be a loss. The Nuggets could be a loss. The Blazers could be a loss. I mean, the Kings Warriors could be a loss. So, I mean, the war the war are the Warriors still atop the Western Conference? They were. I think they were. They had the best record in the entire league. Yeah, recently. they were. They only had one loss last time I checked. Let me just double check. Yeah, they have, yeah they're, they're, they're ten, and ten, one. And, ten and one. Yeah, best so, record in the NBA. That's that's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, if you were a prisoner of the moment, must make a prediction. You might say that the Heat versus the the Heat versus the uh, Jazz or Warriors be the NBA Finals. And I think the Warriors look a lot stronger than the Jazz so far. Um, you might say the Nets, despite their James Harden, doesn't look very good. He doesn't look bad, but he doesn't look like James Harden. And Kyrie yeah. Irving is out indefinitely, no timetable to return. Um, so, you know, the Sixers situation going ongoing it doesn't make them – feel as strong of a finals candidate as they might have at one point. And there's a couple teams in their conference that look a little bit better than we thought. So the East is kind of stacked, but it's also wide open. Like the Bucks are six and six. The Knicks are seven and five. The Wizards are eight and three. Um, where do you, where do you think the Sixers stand in this sort of pecking order with given their like enormous 1000 pound, uh, kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I don't think anything has changed for me as far as like the hierarchy. I still think the Sixers are in that middle group. I think you know, despite it's the small sample size, early records, I still feel like the Nets and the Bucks are the the two best teams in the East. Um, I, I feel like the Sixers are in that like three to six morass of, of teams. <laughs> um, the the teams that are much better than expected would be the Wizards, Bulls, and Cavs. And that's bad for getting Bradley Beal. Yes, it's bad for getting Bradley Beal as far as the Wizards. The Bulls, I think everyone kind of expected that, that they would be much improved given that they brought in DeRozan and uh, Ball and Caruso to add to Levine and uh, Vooch. So, I didn't think like this. I thought they would be in that six-seed range with the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, but it's only been 11 games. They had a very easy schedule to start the year. So I, I, I think sure, sure. They, they have they have they get they are actually also hitting the road. They their next three games are the the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Lakers. So oh, you do your homework for this. <laughs> let's let's see if they're if they lose two of their next three and they're suddenly at what they be like nine and five or yeah. whatever. Like I, I think I think that's fine. I don't I don't, yeah, I, don't, I, don't I don't think they're gonna be a top Eastern conference the next the next 10 game check-in um, Levine is isn't quite right with this patch on his i'm sure if we had drew hanlon on he would remind yeah. us like he's yeah actually, with a wrap on his left thumb yeah so i actually had a good conversation on the pod last week with jason pat who covers the bulls yeah and he, yeah he has a torn ligament on his left hand and the plan is basically like to play through it for the entire season yeah. um because he doesn't want to have to get surgery and shut it down for an extended period of time so like that's not ideal that your best player is just kind of like 5% affected by this injury that he has to just play with for the rest of the year. That's that's not great. No, um, that that, cap, <laughs> that puts a cap on them cuz 
I mean, yeah, at this point, DeRozan's been their best player. Yeah, for sure. DeRozan's been playing incredibly well. And then they, they've been playing well defensively because, like, what Caruso brings to the table as a, as a feisty perimeter defender. Um, I can't believe the Lakers didn't bring him back from less it, than the Bulls offer. It made zero sense. Like, the fact the fact that reports were they didn't even make a competitive offer to like retain for, for him less than yeah. what the Bulls paid. Did someone not like him? Did LeBron say like, "Yeah, he's not my guy"? It, it might like I don't know. I don't want to speculate. It's just really weird because he's exactly what they need. He's a guy that doesn't need the ball in his hands really to to affect team winning. And I, I think having him instead of Westbrook would that's much more what the team needs. You just need LeBron and AD and to have guys who are shooter defender types around them. Like, I don't know. I don't yeah, understand. Caruso I didn't understand versus, the, versus Westbrook is a real conversation. <laughs> I didn't understand the Lakers off season at all. Um, I thought, I thought the healed move would have been a lot better for them also than, than bringing in Westbrook. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. Anyway, back back to the Sixers. Um, you like how I deflected off talking about that road trip? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was quite the tangent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like the Sixers are still in that middle group. Um, even if even if they, I I'm going to say they go two and four on this road trip, which I think would be. I think we're not would, expecting Embiid back for it, right? I there. it'd be it'd be hard to to see him return to full health. Um, he's not, he's still, he's still not out of his 10 day window or whatever. Um, and you, you need, you need a couple, uh, consecutive, uh, negative tests. And then right. for him to like suddenly fly out to California or whatever, I feel like they might just say, Hey, take two more days off and return for the home game. Even, even if he did, this is, um, is it possible that this forced time off, you know, um, assuming that he gets back to full health you know, invoke the heavens in terms of COVID, could this uh, help that knee issue he was dealing with? I was actually thinking about that yesterday. And I, I totally understand what you're saying. Like, hey, this has got to be good for the knee. But just with COVID being something that like drains your immune system mm-hmm. and everything, I was maybe wondering like, as potent. yeah, maybe the the white blood cells or whatever aren't quite doing the same rehabilitation on that knee right now that they would be in a, if he was dealing with like a shoulder injury and like, Oh, the shoulder injury that sucks that he has the shoulder injury, but at least it's good for the knee because he gets to rest that. Like you, you are prepared, man. You got the bulls upcoming schedule, (laughs) schedule white blood cells. I don't know. I'm just saying the angle accounted for like COVID's a different animal, man. You just, it's, it's not like he's sitting at home just like, getting better this is something that like drains your body it could drain him more over time like you just don't know um it's a total question mark um even but the I, absolute hail mary silver linings we're looking for here you just have to try. <laughs> I, I it could be the case I, it definitely could help us me i mean i hope it does i it was just that was just something i it, i i like you asked this exact question i was thinking about to myself yesterday and yeah and then i was like but it's covid so like maybe he's just not healing like you would in a normal situation so yeah i don't know i I mean i don't think anyone anyone could know but he's superhuman did you put that into the calculus he did kill a lion as a youngster (laughs) so that that has to be accounted for um so yeah i'll i'll say they went like they went two of six and everyone will generally be happy with that and because going two and four without Joel on a road trip. I, I feel like that's at least a neutral result. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough in the East this year because the the teams that are that were good, I, I feel like, are still good, and then we have we definitely have a rising middle class in the East. Um, <laughs> so we'll see we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, the most important thing is they they start getting these guys back on the court and healthy, and they 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 stay healthy and don't have any lingering long COVID symptoms and everything, but, uh, that's yeah, the next that, lead. The, the East is now communist, <laughs> the socialist East. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just get those guys back and then you can have your top level talent along with the good vibes, Sixers and, and Max, he's still playing as well as he is and shake playing as well as he has been off the bench. And, um, yeah, I, I think they could, they could really have something down the road. They just got to get, got to get these guys back and, uh, back to full strength. Yeah, I think I think Daryl is watching the five and seven Blazers and their their sort of you know organizational scandal as closely as he's watching his Sixers. I would think, hoping that Dame gives him a you know let, let me let me give this one year, let me give this one season, let me give this till the summer. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yep, just uh, DMing Dame like, hey, did you see? this highlight reel of the 31 points Frank Kaminsky put up on you guys the other <laughs> night, like not great. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, hopefully that you were there. Six, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, Hey man, was this as bad in person as it looked from where I was watching? Uh, yeah. That from a Sixers fans perspective, um, you, you really hope that Portland's season goes down the tubes. Um, I, I think it hasn't quite been the train wreck that you might've hoped for. They're, nope. they're, they're at least treading water and Dame has kind of shook off his uh, early season struggles a little bit, but uh, yeah, it, it definitely could. I, I feel like their, their team depth is very poor. So like one or two key injuries, like if, if CJ McCollum is out for like a month, I feel like their season is just over because they, they just don't have a lot of, a lot of depth, but um, yeah, we'll see how that, how that shakes out. And then, yeah, you're right. Daryl, Daryl definitely has a close eye on what's developing down there or out there. Frank Kaminsky NFTs. (laughs) Yep. He's uh, he's on the blockchain. He's, he's on, he's on the trade machine as much as he's on the blockchain. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. um, That'll wrap it up for here for us here at the talking about podcast, Dave, thank you for, uh, for joining me again this week. Um, For anyone that wants to follow Dave and is not already, he's at David early on Twitter. Um, I know you uh, you do some Brooklyn Nets coverage as well, Dave. Is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I will get you uh, Sixers and Nets coverage. Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, what else do you want? <laughs> we we didn't do the the Ben versus Kyrie, which is the more annoying situation to cover conversation. So, um, yeah, Joel Joel or KD is the more optimistic viewpoint for your for your beats for sure. I think it's Kyrie. <laughs> I think it's Kyrie because at least with Ben, I can talk basketball in each one. Sometimes with Kyrie, you can't talk basketball. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thanks, Dave, for joining us. And uh, for everyone else, I'll talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. All right. Thank you.